Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it really was amazing to finally have a primetime game where we weren't embarrassed for a change, and mostly because we weren't playing the Green Bay Packers. But here's the thing that I really want everybody to take away from this game. Now, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm excited. I'm very thrilled. But at the same time, I don't want to get too wrapped up because as somebody who's believed in the process and somebody who has believed in this team and what Ryan Poles is trying to put out there, I'm not overly surprised. I'm pleasantly not shocked. And I think that winning in New England is a lot tougher than people are trying to give it credit for. And I know a lot of a lot of folks on the internet want to dismiss it. They want to say New England and, oh, the, the Patriots aren't what they once were. That's fine. Winning in Foxborough in prime time is still pretty cool. No matter what you want to say about that team, about the circus that was going on, there were so many things that could have wrong, gone wrong for this Bears team, but it all went right. And we're going to break it down here in a moment. And Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Adam Ray. The Sticket Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank Victory Tuesday. The Bears with a huge upset win over the New England Patriots on Monday night for the entire world to see. All the haters were punching air, but now they're going out and they're making their excuses. Whatever they want to do, I, I really don't care. But let's waste no time and bring in Carmen Vitale, uh, the great reporter for Fox Sports North. What is the exact Fox Sports NFC North? NFC North. NFC North. That's what it was. I got it. I was there. We were. You, you got we it. Were, yes. Got yes. It. I was. Uh, you got there. But as I'm, I'm sitting. Listen, I'm, I'm sitting there. I want to get your uh, immediate. Uh, here's, here's my thing. Now, on Sunday, I now, because I do the game picks on Total Access and it's super competitive, I picked the Packers to win and Thomas Davis had picked the, the Washington Commanders. I was almost torn of, like, who I'm rooting for. Do I want to sacrifice a game or do I want to watch the Packers lose? And then there's also a thing of, like, I can't really enjoy the Packers losing while the Bears are not playing well. Like, it's like, oh, if the Bears would have won on Thursday night, Last week's loss would have been very delicious to the Jets. If the Bears were, you know, we hadn't even played yet, will it really couldn't enjoy 
what the Packers are going through. I enjoy it now. How is your feeling on what is going on with the uh, with the Bears? Let's start with the Bears. What were your overall impressions on Monday night? Uh, I was very happily wrong about how that game was going to go. I I didn't give the Bears a shot. I'll get I I'll cop to that. That's fine. I don't think many people did. This is a Belichick led defense, and I yeah okay. I said many people. I know okay, that you're the exception enough. to the rule for most for most everything. You're the exception to the rule, Adam. Fair but enough. But I. I mean, I, I watched what they did to the Packers and I've watched like the, the Packers offense and I've watched what they've done, you know, to the Lions. They shut them out. They shut, they shut out the Lions. I am, I was fully intending on the Bears just kind of, you know, not, I didn't, I didn't know what that 11 day break was really going to be able to do because it's mid season yeah. and it's hard to adjust things. And like, you can adjust and tweak things on a buy. Uh, but this wasn't a total buy, and I don't know. I wasn't expecting them to completely kind of deviate from their norm and deviate from what this offense has been through the first six weeks of the season uh, to come out and play exactly to Justin Fields' strengths and, more than that, take Bill Belichick, of all people, by surprise. What was the impetus of this? What is it, you know, we've seen this team be pretty steadfast in the way they were playing offensively. It looked like a completely different team on Monday night. What was, was it the mini buy? Was it Eberflus just being like, F it, like we're two and four, we might as well go for it. Or what was, what was the, the motive behind that? I mean, I think it was still trying to figure out what this team is and who this team is and who Justin Fields is and what his strengths are. I mean, I feel like up until this point, and I don't fault Luke Getze for it, his experience in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers within this offensive system, I think was more of like a, trying to fit Justin Fields into an Aaron Rodgers sized hole and Justin Fields and Aaron Rodgers are not the same quarterback. They're not the same player. They're never, never going to be the same player. They never were the same player. And so I just think that finally he kind of let go of trying to make Justin Fields operate this offense like Aaron Rodgers did, because in this offense, you don't traditionally see those design runs for quarterbacks because yeah. if you look at the other teams around the league that run this offense, they don't have quarterbacks that can do that. And so to deviate from the norm and to switch up something so drastically middle of the season on not an actual buy is yeah I mean I think that they definitely had that maybe a little bit of that effort attitude like all right well this isn't working let's just try something and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but what do we have to lose at this point and they yeah, didn't have anything to lose they had everything gay game no and they went out there and they're really aggressive and taking it to the New England Patriots which you don't see a lot of teams do especially in Foxborough whether I don't care who's quarterbacking this team for the Patriots or anything like that you don't see a lot of teams go in there with no fear and then just try to just just start swinging at the Patriots and see what happens and again I'm going to go back to a a point that I've made about this team going back to August and trying to find the template of what you want to do with the pay or with the with the with the Bears and what you want to see moving forward, and I, I kind of I, I keep comparing it to the Philadelphia Eagles, which in in some ways isn't fair because the Eagles' offensive line is better and they're better they were better at this point last year than the Bears are currently, and that's I think that's fair to say. But also the Nick Sirianni came in with an idea in mind, coming in from Indianapolis like Matt Eberflus, and like okay, this is the way we run things, this is the way we're going to do it, we're going to have. Jalen Hurts, it was a little bit different where they had Jalen Hurts, I think, attempting like 50 passes a game, 48 passes a game. And then they're like, oh, wait, this isn't going to work. we got to have him run the football. Maybe next year when we get a A.J. Brown-type receiver, we can pass the ball a little bit more. But they kind of changed the offense. Similarly, I think that Matt Eberflus took this time 
And I don't know if he, you know, if he learned from Sirianni or what the deal was or what happened. They just were like, all right, well, we got a quarterback who can run. Let's do that for a change and see what happens. He's getting killed anyways. Might as well be killed, you know, gaining eight yards as opposed to dropping back and passing all the time. So I think it's, it makes a lot of sense for them to do it. So this offense was tailored towards Justin Fields, and he went out there and had a really good game, especially if you play fantasy football. He was a top five guy uh, for anybody who wants to know, who, who pays attention to, to, to fantasy information like that. And by the way, the best way to play fantasy sports is with underdog fantasy. And you can go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. And I'm going to tell you why to download the app here right now. But download the app and use the promo code SICK. And underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. And by the way, you should just have the underdog fantasy app regardless because you get all the, you get all the news and information. You get the inactives. You are like, oh, my gosh, this guy's playing. This guy's not playing. Uh, you get unfortunate alerts like Brees Hall's no longer in the game and he's now unfortunately out for the season but having the underdog fantasy app is worth having and if you're an old man who likes to play on the desktop which some people do my friend sheridan does all the time he doesn't like to download the apps he thinks the government's tracking him but he doesn't but he uh underdog fantasy is the way to go what did you think though with the offense tailored towards justin fields what was your overall takeaway how do you think that if you were going to grade justin fields how would you what 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 letter grade would you give him I'd give him probably a solid B. I mean, it wasn't anything. Here's the thing. I think that this was a way to, to get him more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And he looked a ton more comfortable. Like he, he made the comment after the, after the game saying he knew that he was going to go into this game because he didn't want to get hit anymore. He knew that he was going to run more this game and those design runs. And I think what that, that's like his happy place. That's his comfort, comfort level. That's his comfort zone rather. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, isn't that a Navy SEALs? Um, like mantra where like you in times of stress, like you revert back to your highest level of training yes, or something along those lines. Exactly. Like this, this was Justin Fields, like highest level of training at this point. And so he, but he, it allowed him a comfortability within that offense so that when he did his internal clock did not get sped up throughout the game because he was able to make things happen himself. And when he did have to sit in the pocket, this offensive line was not, you know, beat down and like just taking hits over and over and over again. So they were able to hold up a little bit longer. And Justin even said it himself. He was like, I was able to finish the game. No problem. And I think that that just went so far in building his confidence in the guys around him, not only in himself. And I don't think that, the, I mean, he had what, 179 passing yards. Yeah. Uh, but he had a few like really good chunk plays. I mean, you had him going for first downs. I think there was that first touchdown drive, three passes, four runs, um, multiple, uh, his passes, I think all went for over 10 yards, um, like his, his completions. So I, I think that that was just a way to get him comfortable and he looked comfortable, but I don't think he was doing anything at the top of his skill set yet at the, you know, at the, the height of where he can go and at his ceiling, he hasn't reached that yet. Um, but this went a long way in, in that. So I would give him a solid B. Yeah. I think for the, improvement. No, I think there's a fair grade. I think that you know, I don't want to spend too much time going over some of the things he can work on. I don't, we don't need to be that type of show. Like I'm the, I'm the positive guy as everybody knows, but there are some things like number one, I think that he's got to learn a little bit of touch, which is a problem with a lot of quarterbacks. Like sometimes you get into the NFL. I think sometimes when he sees that single coverage and Troy Aikman might've even mentioned this on the broadcast, 
he has a tendency to try to thread a needle instead of putting a little air under it. We saw it a couple of yeah. weeks ago on the pass to, to the family guy, Ryan Griffin. We saw it on a play to, I think it was Darnell Mooney. Somebody was, somebody had singled up coverage. And there's often times too, where I don't know, I, I really want to know what he's seeing. And I, with, without having looked at the all 22 yet and seeing like, is he throwing, like, is this just a throwaway and he's throwing it out of bounds? Yeah. And if, and if Equinemia St. Brown can jump 10 feet in the air, perhaps he'll come down with it. Things like that don't bother me as much. I think a, a couple of little things of like, number one, trying to get a little bit more air. And now looking back and seeing, you know, that that one-on-one throw that he missed, I look back at the Ryan Griffin throw and I tend to now think like, okay, he, this is on him. He's got to learn how to connect on these plays. And listen, that's fine. That's a fair complaint. If you want to go to Foxborough, and when 33 to 14 and your takeaway is like, hey, dude, like try to put a little bit more air under the ball. That's fine. I'm not going to complain about that too much. It's going to be a work in progress for some time. I thought that converting on third downs, you know, that was one of the things that I felt very, it was very refreshing to sit there and have it be on third down. And you're like, oh, they could probably convert this. It's third and eight. Like I'm not sweating this. I think right, that we can make right. plays. You know, and he found, you know what, and he was finding guys that we were counting on earlier in the season who are now starting to show some signs of life of stepping up. We saw Nikhil Harry make a big, mm-hmm. big catch. We saw Cole Komet make a really nice catch and then have the presence of mind of like, I don't know if I was completely in bounds. Let's try to snap this football as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah. So I really appreciate those kind of contributions from those guys. For sure. And I also think that he was doing it a little bit more off script. It was the, in those little scramble drills when he would, would go and throw the ball still. I mean, he's sidearming passes. He's slinging. And I thought he was really accurate on the run. And I, that is to me is another very encouraging thing is all right. Even if you do get flushed from the pocket and you're in these scramble drills, he, because he knew he was already comfortable enough. I feel like it was, it was easier for him. And he was seeing things that maybe, cause he wasn't so panicked and he was seeing more things than he would have previously, but you're right. I don't know, you know, when he did drop back and it was just kind of a vanilla, we're going to pass, we need this conversion, we need a chunk play. Is he seeing the whole field yet? I don't know. Um, But I think that that's where the room for improvement lies. But for now, if you can get a guy that can make things happen with his legs, can go off script in these scramble drills and get the ball to guys to convert first, yeah, to convert third downs, especially, and, and get more first downs, I think... Their third down conversion rate was 66% this game. They converted 11 third downs. That's the most against a, an opponent uh, in a win against the Patriots in the Belichick era, period. And let's for, – oh, tied, tied for the second most. And let's be, let's be honest, too. Uh, the last third down that was not converted was at the end of the game when they gave it to Ebner to let him try to score a touchdown to see what could happen. They didn't convert that one. So, honestly, like, the Bears were not in a must. I mean, not that Ebner didn't want to score, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to count that one. I'm going to say it was 70%. In my mind, it's yeah. still 70%. I like – I will – a quick little sidebar. I I know this has been a, a topic of conversation on Twitter about whether the Bears should have gone for And I hope that people are being facetious because you're awful. If, like, why – of all teams, why would we put 40 – up on the Patriots. Like, we have no beef with them. They did nothing to us. Bill Belichick and Matt Eberflus, I know, 
probably have a, a lot of respect for each other, especially Eberflus. You saw it in the handshake after the game. Belichick really had some nice words. And I know that Belichick was effusive with praise on Justin Fields heading into this game. I, I think it's legitimate. I think there is some, some, uh, there is some uh, respect there, an awful lot of respect. Yeah. And so yeah. why would you even mess with that? Now, I will say this. If it was the, if it was the Packers, oh, not only are we going for the touchdown, when we score – we're gonna we're gonna do an onside kick. We're gonna go. We're gonna try to score again. We're gonna try to get to fifty somehow. So I, what did you think? Should they have? Did they do the right thing of taking the knee? Yeah, I mean, at that point, it is. It's the only situations in which that you kind of push that. I feel like are in rivalry games or in games where you really need to make a statement more than you already have. Um, the Bears had already made that statement. They, it was a very yeah. convincing win. They were in control of that ball game. Throughout, even when they were down, they were. I felt like they were still kind of in control. All three phases of the game executed very well. You had absolutely no reason to to do that. And like, I don't know. You just, it's especially in like, an, like if it was at home too. I think that's one thing versus being in their stadium. Yeah. And it's just there were there. I don't. I like whatever. And also, don't risk one more play that maybe someone gets hurt on or like given their injury luck and stuff and how things have gone, like don't push any of that. Uh, it was a very physical game. You saw some people go in and out uh, player, player wise, that offensive line. Again, I just, we all got what we wanted in Lucas Patrick at center. Yeah. Uh, and it lasted like a quarter. And you were it like, was a oh. fun, it was a fun quarter. I really appreciated it. I but enjoyed that- the heck out of the Lucas Patrick era at center. By the way, do we have any injury or any, an update on that by any chance? Uh, no, I don't think that there were any. I had to look, actually, because I have not. I didn't see one, but that doesn't mean that there isn't. I'll look. No, you can look. Um, I, I, will, I will also say this, though. To go back, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to point out that if the Bears had punched it in and won 40 to 13, what was it, 40 to 13, 14? Yeah, 40 to 40. The, the, the tone of the, of the win changes, uh, the narrative of should the Bears have done that? Should the Bears have piled on? What were the Bears doing? We don't need that kind of heat right now. We can still sort of like, like we're sort of likable still. Like we have fun, likable players. Let's not, let's not get into the villain mode just yet. After we win a couple of Super Bowls, then we can start doing that stuff and really tweak people. But right now, we're just going to take our, our dubs where we can get it. And we love seeing the, the progress out of Justin Fields. The running backs were great. The receivers were like, okay, here's my thing, though. I want to talk about this because after George Pickens scored on Sunday night, obviously, every Bears fan, oh, why didn't we, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Like, oh, we could have had him. We could, I'm like, okay, you could do a lot of things. Like, you know what? Like, the, the problem is, is we had two picks. And we needed to rebuild the secondary. And we took two guys that we feel like are going to be the foundation of that secondary for a long time. And you can sit here and be like, you know who else I'd like? I'd love to have Sauce Gardner. I'd love to have Chris Olave. I'd love to have Kyle Pitts, even though he's not doing anything in Atlanta. Maybe they'll give him to us. But it's like, yeah, like I would love to have a lot of these guys. It's not always practical. You know, sometimes you just can't afford it. Like I would, I would love to have one of those new VW buses. I don't know that it's practical. I don't know I'm going to be able to afford it. The thing is, is we went out there, and the fact that Brisker makes the one-handed, like, as, as, fun as, as fun as George Pickens' catch was a couple of weeks ago, 
oh, the Jaquan Brisker interception was a thing of beauty, especially after the little, the little incident with Mac Jones. Kyler Gordon, who has been playing very well over the last couple of weeks. We don't hear his name anymore. It's almost coming to the point like, is Kyler Gordon on the field? That's a good thing. When we don't know if he's out there, that's a positive thing. What was your takeaway on the two rookie defensive backs? Yeah, no, and I mean, I think that's kind of the – that's what I said about Kyler. I was like, you, you put it all together, you love to see it. Because, yes, he took his lumps early in the season. A lot was put on his plate, and I talked to him after the Thursday night game in the locker room for a while. Even though he advocated to have all that, and he wanted to you know, go in at slot corner, he wants to play both positions outside and slot. Um, it's still a lot for a rookie who's still getting used to the pace of play at this level to have to take on both of those positions, which are – very different from each other, no matter what anybody else says. Yeah. But other people realize, like, nickel corner, outside corner, completely different. Nickel, you have to read so much more. You have to know what everybody else on the field is doing. Um, it's just you have to read what, what you know, you're almost acting like a hybrid safety corner, whatever. That being said, to, for him to get that interception, I feel like was vindication of, all right, listen, I, I, I was struggling early. There was a lot on my plate. I figured it out now, and look what I can do. And then you've got Taquan Brisker, who does it all. And, I mean, he's just, like, a whole package. And he's such a fun package. But then also, not only was it those guys, I actually just wrote a little bit about this for Fox Sports um, in my notebook this week. It was on that Roquan Smith interception. Do you know who tipped the ball? It was Dominique Robinson. I was going to say Dom Robinson, yeah. Yes, these are rookies making plays for this defense. And I don't know how you aren't so incredibly excited about that because these are guys that are going to be a bear – for the foreseeable future. And you can build around these, these guys with, you know, the cornerstones, like I think Roquan Smith should say, and you build this defense with a mix of veterans and then these young guys that can just flat out play. And they're playing beyond their years right now. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, Don Robinson is one that kind of gets overlooked probably a little bit too much, but that's fine. But again, This is always the thing. Like, I'm so not stunned because I should be used to it by now. But so many people were like, oh, the best players that the Bears have were were drafted by the previous regime. You're like, well, they're veteran guys. So that that stands to reason. But these rookies are really starting to take hold. And we love to see that play out of the defensive backs. Like Kyler, I know that. And by the way, like I'm petitioning the NFL. I know you're making money off NFL Plus, and I know this is a new huge revenue generator for us. We got to stop it. These fans don't deserve access because you're dumb screen grabs. Uh, just don't like, take it from me, though. Don't take you. it from me, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to personally approve it. I think if you're a, 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 a registered, like if you're a valued member of the media, you deserve it. But if you're like Joe and Sean Berg, I don't know that you deserve like ah you're you're ruining the privilege for everybody, you know like if you let the kids stay up one night and they're out there making a ruckus, getting toys out at ten thirty, you're like this is it we're not doing this again, and if you were gonna take your dumb screen grabs like oh see he was actually like no he wasn't no nope 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 he actually Kyler Gordon could have had more interceptions he's still putting it together. I love that he's playing well. I, I am the happiest. When he had that interception, everybody in the green room here at the NFL Network were kind of shocked. Like, why I was still, why I'm still so engaged in a game that to them was a blowout. I'm still sweating right. the whole thing. Although, you look at that Patriots offense and you're like, this, this team's not rallying. Like, I don't know. I don't know how many 
how many hero balls Bailey Zappi can throw up there and just hope his guys go up and make plays. And honestly, the whole thing of having, of having, um, who was it? It was uh, Jacoby Myers. Make that play. Bail him out. Him and Devontae Parker bailed out Bailey Zappi to the point where they would not put Mac Jones back in and they would, you know, have to stay with Bailey Zappi. And it, it just didn't work out for them, which is good. I'm, I'm super bummed for them. Although I was going against Ramondre Stevenson in a fantasy league, that did not work out for me, but the Bears got the win. I had ultimately. There you go. I, I got, got I got, I got, I got a sweep in my fantasy leagues. And it, it, the last one came down to the wire and it came down to Ramondre Stevenson getting me some points. So I got the best of both worlds. I got the Bears to win. And Ramondre Stevenson, I think, got me like 22 points or something like that. So it was, it was great. It was, I was like, you did what I needed you to do. Now you can stop doing things. That's fine. There it is. Yeah, you can, you can quit doing it. I had Ramondre Stevenson in this particular league a couple of weeks ago, but I had to, my, my team's so good. I had to get rid of somebody when Kenneth Walker became active. I had to take him off the IR. We don't have a big bench. Like this is the league, like this league, is specifically against me, so they have a shorter bench because a couple of years ago when I got all those guys where I would have all the good players and then the waiver wire was done, so they didn't think it was fair. So they had to change the rules, but it's okay. I understand. <laughs> so in any event, so we love, so you love to see that. I didn't care at that point. I'm like, all right, we're, we're out there. We're moving. We're seeing the guys kind of develop. We're seeing the guys kind of do things. And another guy that kind of goes underneath the radar is well two guys on the offensive line number one i thought braxton jones played pretty well obviously he was famously out in front on that play where khalil herbert gets into the end zone but also tevin jenkins like we got to talk about this for a moment everything that they've done with tevin jenkins has absolutely worked to the point like i think he's the best offensive lineman that we have yeah uh especially with cody whitehair out i would tend to agree with you and not only that, but I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to remember who tweeted it because I quote tweeted it uh, and it was Tevin Jenkins and he initially goes into an A-gap double team block and he does not, yes. that he's not needed there. So he mm-hmm. goes for work and realizing that Larry Borum is one-on-one with Matthew Judon, he turns yeah. back, like gets, so like he didn't see that. That is just a very, that's a heads up. Like he knows what's happening right now. He knows what the protection is. So he knows that Larry is going to be one-on-one with Matthew Judon. And he goes and looks for work and helps him out and buys Justin more time. Um, who tweeted it? I want to give whoever it was the credit because that was. But, and then Jenkins. Mitchell Schwartz, yeah. The former yeah. lineman yeah. of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. That was his only team, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I uh, think so. I, I, but the thing was, and then Jenkins just lays on him. He might have yeah, done a little bit he just more. Like, and he just like lays on Matthew Judon. And just, like, you're not getting yeah, out. No, no. And like, and then hidden in that play too, like Justin Fields is bouncing around, like does this juke where it's like, it looks like a glitch and he glitches into yeah. the open field. They're like, whoa, how did he get there? I thought yeah, they did a great yeah. job. Judon, you know, one of the best players in the league. But there are times, too, where oh. you question, you know, he was in coverage, you know, and opened up another uh, couple of things, too. Oh, by the way, I, I want to go back. Speaking of uh, Braxton Jones being out in front, the play that the touchdown to Khalil Herbert, again, I don't think people are giving this enough credit to Justin Fields because he is the one 
who recognizes that they're in cover zero and checks yes. into that play and yes. they let him. I mean, I think that's just another example of how he's progressing as a signal caller in the NFL. Oh yeah. I wrote that in my notes. Um, Cause that was sort of the end and I'm trying to, yeah. But yeah, no, the fact that he had the heads like the wherewithal and is now recognizing these things again, I also think it's just because he's calmer. Like he's yeah. not thinking a million miles a minute. He's not having to worry about all of the stuff going on around him. He just has to worry about doing his job. And when he just has to worry about doing his job, yeah, he recognizes, hey, it's cover zero. I got to get it out ASAP. And then that'll give Khalil Herbert a little bit more room and he'll, he'll be able to take it into the end zone from there. And then again, yes, Braxton Jones going over to help at that point, shutting his block and, and being over to getting, you know, getting a little bit further. But um no, I just I, that was another thing that really impressed me, and I had it written down in my notes because I was like, "Oh, oh, Ooh. look who rec- look who recognized Cover Zero!" And then I mean, like, yes, that's a normal quarterback thing to do. Uh, I just think that it was refreshing to finally see things you could see things clicking in his brain. Yeah, you know what? And it's really impressive too because as they extend plays and they extend drives. This is the one thing that, again, I go back, and I, don't, I never want to take too many shots at Matt Nagy or anything like that, but, you know, the, the reality was is, like, last year, there were too many three and outs. There were too many times where you're, like, up third and long, pass to Cole Komet, it doesn't connect, punting the ball, or pass to some wide receiver, punting the ball. Like, even the times that – I mean, I, I don't know how many times they punted last night. Maybe it was at one, two, but, like, they were driving the football. And I know a couple of weeks ago, I think it was against the Giants, where they settled for too many field goals. I said after those game, after that game, I said, look, at some point, those are going to be converted. As they get more comfortable in this offense, those plays are going to be converted. We're seeing it now. Now, Santos obviously is a, is a great weapon. He does not miss. He's been on fire. Even the guy, like, now it's to the point, like, even the kicker that we picked up a couple of weeks ago didn't miss. Our kicking game is on point. We love to see that. And sometimes you're going to have to settle for field goals because I, I still believe in field goals in the NFL, which makes me a dinosaur. But you look at like Mike McDaniel and some of these other coaches like John Harbaugh is blowing games. Brandon Staley is, you know, putting himself in worse position. Like sometimes you just take the three points and it's like 10 is better than seven. So I don't know. I know it's not. I just, I was really, they got points off of, like, you know, they talk about that middle quarter. So like yeah. the last, especially when the Bears, the Bears were getting the ball back after halftime. So especially when that happens, you get this bonus possession and like the middle quarter of like the back half of the second quarter, the first half, half of the third quarter. And because of that bonus possession that they got off the fumble recovery, you get a couple more field goals out of that. You got a couple more possessions, you got a field goal. So you're going into halftime now up that much more. And I think, yeah, no, it wasn't a touchdown, but I feel like the field goal kind of had the same effect. And totally. you and I just I like I was very impressed with their ability to capitalize on those bonus and all of those possessions within like that middle quarter. I think that's where they really solidified and kind of took control and put their foot on the gas. Yeah, they answered the touchdown by the Patriots. Ramadre Stevens to the touchdown. They go down, they score, Khalil Herbert gets into the end zone. The defense comes out, forces a turnover, or you know, whatever. They they capitalize on a turnover. I even said, yep, and I, yeah. I was I was saying this too, as you know, watching this, and I'm with Chase Daniel, former Bears backup quarterback. 
I don't want to be defeatist in that moment. But at right. the same time, if the Patriots do not get the ball back for the rest of the half, I can live with it. And that's exactly what happened. They drove it down. They, I think they had to use a timeout, one timeout before they had to. So you, you might have lost a play where you could have attempted to go, but you're like, you know what? I've seen things go wrong for us near the goal line. Let's take the three, go to halftime. Right. We'll take the kickoff and we'll drive down again where we are a great second half team, which is another thing. Like I was trying to add up the points that we've given up in the second half this year, which is skewed because last week, the previous week against the commanders, I should say, we gave up eight points to Brian Robinson on his touchdown run because and, and, and a, a, something that shouldn't have happened. That was a, a special teams breakdown that happened. I'm, I'm putting it mildly, but it was a special teams breakdown that happened that led to that field goal or that touchdown, excuse me. It's not the defense. The defense is not giving up those touchdowns. And no, it's true. We're, we're making, gosh, we're making adjustments, whether people recognize it or not. Like, it's not a fluke. I think we've given up the fourth fewest no. points. We've given up the fourth fewest points in the second half. But again, eight of those should be taken away. The Patriots ran six plays in the third quarter. They had two possessions. They went three and out twice. That yep. is significant. That is how you win ball games. And this is a Patriots team that put up 40 on the Lions. So yep. I think, you know what, we can take a little bit of solace in the fact that, like, hey, we are uh, – we're taking it to teams that took it to our opponents. I know you can't match up the games like that, but it is telling. No, I mean, that second half, it was what? Punt, punt, interception, interception. There was back-to-back interceptions. And then, yeah, then the game ended. Like, that's, that's how that went for the Patriots. So, and that's, that's a direct, not only is, you know, they're not getting any points, but, like, the defense is directly responsible for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you could argue, like, the three and outs are great when you can get them. Uh, but that can kind of be, you know, the, the offense is just not clicking and whatever for the Patriots. You can blame that on the Patriots more than it, the Bears are a direct reflection of that. But then you get the back-to-back interception drives. Like, the Bears' defense is directly influencing this team and how much their opponents can be. I mean, they won – the Bears won the time of possession battle by, like, 15 minutes. Totally. Oh, like, my gosh. It was it – was ins- and I think that that's a really good indicator of who ends up winning these games is who has the ball the longest. I know it's shocking – <laughs> Seems weird. Shocking yeah. commentary, shocking analysis there. But if you don't have the ball that much, you can't score that much. And the Bears' defense, I think that we really need to continue to give them their due. No, definitely, and it's getting better and everything like that. And it's good to clear the air here. And speaking of clear the air, the best way to protect your family and clear the air at home is an air pure air purifier, which can remove tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, wildfire smoke chemicals, viruses uh, from your breathing air. And like, you know what? The kids are back in school. They're bringing home all sorts of viruses, not just COVID. There's coughs going around. There's stuff that affects your eyes. I see it. All these kids running around, coughing, doing whatever. That's why it was important to my family that I go out and get an air purifier from Air Pura. And right now you can use the code 67 for 7% off your Air Pura air purifier all right so we've got a long time without taking a question from the crowd we've been trying to cover everything because there's so much to talk about but uh, do we have any questions i i assume they have to be good and uh sorry i need my readers i'm on a smaller screen right now we've had a lot of uh 
Okay, Mr. Whitfield, should Eberflus petition the league office on fields, no flag hits? Well, listen, I will say this about the play in question. It was on the Khalil Herbert touchdown run. I think the referees got confused. They thought that the late hit and the blow to the head kind of offset each other. But you're like, wait, both of those were on the Patriots. Yeah, I was, again, the, just the, I think the lack of consistency with which these calls are made is the most frustrating part. And yeah, you see people barely get touched and, and then, you know, they get the flag and then here's Justin Fields. I mean, every replay of that just looked worse and worse. You had yeah. two major things that happened there. It was a late hit, was hit to his head. He was sandwiched between the guys. You see his head snap back. And it was after he had already gotten rid of the ball. And it was like, I don't know. I was, I was shocked. And I'm like, the ref was also like right there. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't understand how you didn't see that, like what was happening. And I mean, I get that a lot of it, I, I would actually forgive the late hit because a lot of times, you know, when you're, you're already going in for the tackle, despite yeah. the fact he got rid of that ball very quickly. So like, I would forgive that. But I mean, you had two guys that sandwiched his head at either like at two different levels. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. What, there wasn't a hit, but I also don't understand, don't know what can be gained really from petitioning a league or yeah. I think there might, there could be fines incurred on those players. Oh, sure. That happens too, where you'll get fined even if the play wasn't called uh, or the penalty wasn't called, but I, that doesn't directly benefit bears anyway at this point. What's done is done. Yeah. And then um, uh, Pennell junior got, we got a guy, we got a guy thrown out of the game for blocking somebody. Like all that, that's now a, an offense of like, I mean, it was, right. it was, I, I don't even think it was that bad of a, like he's blocking him. Like he wasn't like, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was malicious. Obviously I'm a little bit of a homer, but I still thought like that, that's not a, like it was, it was questionable whether it was penalty or not. It was dumb to throw him out of the game unless he did something that I didn't yeah. see afterwards, which could have happened. But I just think yeah. that it was well, ridiculous. Also, at one point, I mean, that was kind of the technique that was taught. Too, yeah. It's to like, go lower. Like, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of, and how old is he? I, like, I don't know. Is he, is he still kind of left over from like the old school way of doing things? Like, you can forget Maybe. a guy. Like, especially when you said, if it's not malicious, like that's. It was in the shoulder area. Like he didn't go low. Yeah. He didn't do anything. Yeah. I think it was, uh, who was the player? Was it Mike Compton? Like, who was the guy? for the Patriots who got, or for the Packers who got rocked that one year by Warren Sapp. I think ever since that time, they've been kind of looking out for that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I always, it's funny because I always fear the worst with the referees. And by the way, recently we were talking about the, I think we talked about this last week of when they're in short yarded situations, I would love to see Cole Komet behind Justin Fields pushing him. And they did that last night. I still believe that we're eventually going to be the first team that's penalized for that. But it was good to see, like, oh, yeah, like, you did the right thing. They also did the play where they put both tackles on one side. So, like, all right, they're, they're adjusting. They're, they're making sure. adjustments. Like, it's not – oh, gosh. It's so Riley, Riley Reef came in. Riley Reef came in as yes. an extra blocker. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Is, it, it like, is. The adjustments are great. Love seeing the, the direction the team is taking. And you know what? While we're, while we're on that subject, and I want to say this, and I know we, we touched on it uh, momentarily when talking about George Pickens and, you know, who I know, it's one of those things, like, we'll always wonder what could have happened had George Pickens been picked. I'm very comfortable with the guys that we have. I can't worry about 
we don't have George Pickens. I can't worry about it. I don't, I don't know what the future would have been like. So there's no use in sitting here and, and, and wringing your hands over it. I also think the same thing goes with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, like two great guys, and they're doing a great job for the New York Giants. And it's fun to watch them. And I enjoy it. And I enjoy watching Daniel Jones out and go out there and have some success. A lot of that is stemming from the fact that Saquon Barkley is healthy and he's helping them along. I liked both of those guys. I thought that they were going to be quality hires. I thought last year during the the spring spring training, during the preseason game against the Bills when Mitch Trubisky was out there, coached up more than you ever see a guy coached up in a a training camp game, in a a preseason game, that Brian Dable was making his pitch to the McCaskey family of I should be the next coach of the Bears, and I wouldn't have been upset with it. But we need to stop comparing our guy to their guy. It doesn't, it's too late now. It doesn't matter. We've already got Matt Eberflus. And the people who still want to go out there and consider this a questionable hire, I question your integrity. Like, it's okay to be like, hey, I wasn't exactly thrilled with this, but it's looking to be pretty good. It reminds me of when Pete Carroll was hired as both the head coach of the Seahawks and the head coach at USC. Like, he was the fifth choice at USC. And living out here in Southern California, people hated that move. Nobody loved it. Everybody thought it was one of the dumbest things that they'd ever done. This is never going to work out. And then we know what Pete Carroll was able to accomplish on the field at USC, what he's been able to accomplish in Seattle. Like, I think that Eberflus is a very good coach. I think we need to get over it by now. I think he's a good coach. There is a plan in place. We saw a little bit of it. I'm not saying that this team is a Super Bowl contender. Even with the NFC being as down as they are, a lot of three and four teams, I'm not even saying that we make the playoffs. But now we see what Ryan Poles wants to do. We're still a ways away. There there still needs to be some positions that are addressed. But after last night, and it's not a cure-all, but I think that you should be – that if you were somebody who hated this move all along, if you watch that game and are still coming away like, I'm not sure that – then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what I don't know what it'll take, and I'm going to try to, to to stop convincing you because I thought it was wonderful. Sorry, Carmen, I had to say that. No, that's fine. I totally agree. I think again, I've been preaching it from the very beginning too. Like, it doesn't matter what happens this season. You're just building this foundation, and you got to give these guys a chance. First time head coach, first time general manager, and you got to give them a chance and see what they can do over the course of multiple off seasons. What was left of the Bears when they took over? It's not something that was going to be fixed in one in their first offseason. It just wasn't. And I think that, you know, if you get to next year with all the capital that you have, all the cap space that you have, and you still don't look like, you know, a team that could conceivably make the playoffs, then I think you can start talking about this. But yeah. right now, I mean, yeah, you can't. No, it's just yeah. we, I know everybody wants like instant gratification and things to happen very quickly, but that's just not realistic. And, and sometimes you can catch lightning in a bottle and it happens and it happened for Brian Dable yeah. and it's awesome. Oh, amazing. But but that's not that's not the norm. And, and, and who's to say if that would have happened with the current roster in Chicago, if Brian Dable, if, it, if that would have, you know, yeah. like there's no way to know so i'm i'm very much just in life i just don't worry about things that i can't control yeah, i agree with you i don't know who froze i hope it's not me oh shoot okay i don't know i'm not Is am it I, me? I don't know am i no, frozen I you're hear. frozen who knows okay we're doing well uh i also i had an interesting conversation with somebody 
who is, by the way, if you saw me on NFL Network Monday night, I was wearing a, a, a jacket that you see me wear on a lot of the fantasy shows and whatnot. That is from a company called Roots of Fight. You can go find all the Peyton jackets. And I bring it up, number one, because everybody was asking me uh, after the show last night, after I did my little sketch. I also was running into a friend, or not a friend, a coworker. Yeah, I hesitate to call him a friend. He's like, I want us to lose for a better draft pick. And I'm like, I do not subscribe to that theory. Where was, like, where was Justin Jefferson drafted? Like, he was the 20th overall pick. Chris Olave was in the late teens or the early 20s. Like, there's going to be talent. There's going to be guys available wherever the Bears pick. But I don't think that we need to worry about what draft position we have. Like, we're way – you're putting the cart way before the horse. Why not? Why do you, why do you not want to win? Like, I'll never understand this. I think that only matters when you need a quarterback. Yeah. And I think if all goes well this season, you're not going to need a quarterback. So, yeah, you're going to be able to fill whatever – like, you have multi, you're going to have multiple holes, too, to fill. And yeah. so, whoever – like, you're going to be able to find talent at wherever you pick in the first round, second round, third round, like, all of that kind of stuff. I think that – conversation only matters when you need a quarterback and when you need to get one of the top quarterbacks. Um, other than that, yeah, no, I don't buy into that at all. And I think that if you can win some games while you're figuring things out, I think that goes a long way in building trust with not only the team and your coaching staff and, and the organization as a whole, but the fans and all that kind of stuff, which that all matters. Yeah, so why not fun. try to build some trust up? Yeah. Oh, it's fun, and it's fun to win, and it's fun to see a coaching staff who is, you know, so invested, and it just feels like it's a good feeling. And I know it, it's easy to say this stuff after the team wins, but I, you know, I've never been really down on this team, even when we had some tough losses against the Commanders, against the Giants, the Vikings, you know, even the the Packers lost. You're like, eh, I don't know, like we, you could feel. You feel like we were in a lot of these games that we should have won, and I think that everybody's learning on the job. Last night it came to fruition. That should be cool. Like we should we should appreciate that. Not worry about our draft picks. Like have some joy in your life. Like it's fun walking around, being like, yeah. Like I have a lot of work friends who are Patriots fans. And they're like, oh man, so bomb. Like they're upset. You know things are not going well. I feel. And then, by the way, I, I have a couple of Gen Z kids that are Patriots fans. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for you. You've shown up at a party that was raging about five years ago. And now you're coming yeah. up, you're like, yeah, we don't, we have uh, some Clamato, Bud Lights maybe in the fridge. Like, I don't know, all the food's gone, but enjoy it, you know, but it's, you're here now, so do what you got to do. Uh, I feel bad for those people. But in any event, mm -hmm. uh, we've done a great job of answering questions. Let's get another one, Sammy. I'm sorry. We've been talking about, I feel like we're answering a lot of your questions. Uh, do you see us trading Quinn? Creighton, Will Fong, I will tell you this. Uh, the Bears are working on it. I don't like the idea of it because like, oh, you always want to win. And this, this, I guess, where we can have that conversation of like, hey, we want to win. Robert Quinn will help you win. But at the same time, if somebody's going to be willing to take that salary, take a, give us a draft pick or two. I think we got to do it. But what have you been hearing? Yeah. Are, are we close to a deal? Is anybody inquiring about him? Yeah, I think that that's – I don't know if anybody's inquiring about him. I think that that's probably the holdup at this point. But the Bears are open to it, and they, they're not shy about that fact, uh, from what I've heard anyway. So 
That being said, I don't know who needs a pass rusher right now who's a contender that is going to want to pay any sort of premium for him. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, like, we talked about this, I think, last week, where if the Bears are going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. And I saw them being a seller, and I saw it happening with Robert Quinn over, like, David. I, I didn't think David Montgomery was uh, a realistic trade that was actually going to be offered up by the bears. Cause I don't think there's any incentive to do that, but with Robert Quinn, I think there is. And again, if you can get more draft capital and it, if your defense can survive without him, I think. Yeah. And that's, that's the key part of this. He hasn't been, I mean, don't get me wrong. His impact does go beyond the stat sheet and I don't want to deny that at all. And I think that that's what other teams will see from him. Uh, but this defense can survive without him. And if you can get a return for him at this point, I think you do it. I just don't know which teams in this present moment are thinking that far ahead. I think as we get a little bit further, once the trade deadline, it's next. It's after, it's after Halloween. Yeah, it's next week. Yeah, next week. Yeah, I'm like, why well, can't even get my date straight right now? Okay, um, November 2nd, I think, I think. Yeah, I think like you give it one more week and teams really start to kind of assess what they can do at the trade deadline. I think it, it, if it happens, it won't happen until right before the deadline. Yeah, and you wonder about a trade for David Montgomery. I don't know that it's going to happen now that James Robinson has been moved. We saw Christian McCaffrey obviously traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Cam Akers is still available. I don't know if that's it. I don't, you know what I was thinking about because the Rams were players in the Christian McCaffrey deal, because just the way that they were talking about it, because when the Panthers were talking about the deal, like, oh, the two biggest suitors didn't have first round picks. You're like, okay, who don't, who doesn't have a first round pick? It's the Rams. It's the 49ers, two teams that we knew were kind of interested and involved. I don't know that the Rams would ever be interested in David Montgomery. I don't know that anything's going to happen. And I honestly, like, I don't know, maybe the bears are thinking about keeping both of them. I know that, you know, we saw, we saw like how impressive it is to have two guys who, who run the ball really well. And we were sitting there on the fantasy show today. And one of the, one of the analysts was like, wow, David Montgomery's value is going down. I'm like, he scored a touchdown last night. Like, what are you talking about? Now we did see Khalil Herbert a little bit more active in the passing game. So if you play full point PPR, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, I don't like David Montgomery is still being leaned on. Like it's, I mean, barely though, because Khalil Herbert only had one catch last night. Yeah, um, and they both had this. They had the same amount of yards. Uh, Dave Montgomery had a couple more carries than Khalil Herbert did. Yeah, he outsnapped. Uh, yeah, Montgomery outsnapped him. That's why I was like, "What is happening? Yeah. What are you talking about?" Yeah, no, but yeah, but but Montgomery was wor- rewarded too with the touchdown. So yeah. um, no, I again, like I keep saying this, and I feel like I'm kind of a broken record with with it, but I just feel like behooves any team to have a tandem of running backs just with the beating that these guys take and especially having two running backs that are have kind of different skill sets uh i mean like you see it in green bay too aj dillon and aaron jones are such a good tandem and i wish that green bay would use them more i don't know why they don't no they don't Um, have they're good they're fine (laughs) but just i mean for their sake but i think that that's kind of where this league is moving to is having this running back by committee i mean what incentive anymore is there to have a featured back if he's just going to wear down that much quickly that much more quickly In so a 17 game season have, yeah 17 game season and then if you can have guys that do different things that you can interchange that's two that's different things that a defense has to prepare for so i just i don't i think that you would want to keep both players if you can and and they can't i mean they've got the cap space for next year 
and they have like they're going to be able to keep both I think and I think that they oh, could yeah. be a really big part of this offense uh, and I think they should be a big part of this offense rather so I don't I don't see any incentive to trading David Montgomery away I don't yeah I'd be shocked at this point I would be shocked I think that he he plays into the development of Justin Fields as well so I would be shocked to yeah, see David Montgomery sure. on on the move all right let's take another question Sammy if we can and uh, why do I put down my glasses? I don't know. Uh, do you feel that Justin, in most situations, holds the ball too long due to his receivers not being able to separate enough so that he could get the ball out quickly? I, I think there's some of that. And I think that's why it was important to see him kind of scramble out and extend some plays and give these guys uh, an opportunity to get free. But I thought he did a better job last night. I would have to go back and check the next-gen stats. But it felt like he was getting rid of – I mean – some of the times he's, you know, like vintage Russell Wilson where he's extending a play, but I thought he was a little bit more decisive last night, unless that was just my imagination. No, I felt like that way just, you know, based on the eye test, I thought he was a little bit more decisive. And I also think that that plays into it for sure, that receivers, the average degree of separation for receivers isn't that great. Um, I've, last I checked next-gen stats anyway on the season. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, the fact of Justin still learning this offense, and you can see – him talk about getting through his progressions and he wants to do everything the coaches are asking him to do. And to do that when you're not fully grasping every single play, because you're just not experienced enough in the system, that's it's, it's going to take some time. And again, I think that his internal clock is kind of all messed up given he doesn't know how much time he even really has in the pocket. And so when he holds the ball too, I think it's just him kind of panicking and him just trying to get through his reads as quickly as possible and then maybe not even seeing some things at that point. Yeah. Um, I just, it's, it's a lot going on. Uh, and especially with this, the scheme too, where you have like the option routes and stuff like that, I would like to see him. And I think most, most people have said this, get a little bit better at those timing routes where you don't need to see that receiver in their spot at that moment. Like, yeah. you know, you can trust your receiver to get to a spot and throw the ball to that spot maybe before the receiver gets there. I would like to see more of that, but I think that just comes with time and experience. No, yeah. And again, like a lot of the critiques that we have of him will be based on experience. I know that he fumbled the ball a couple of times last night. Some of that, I think, was the wet ball situation in yeah. New England. I think he's going to be better on that. I think, that, I think that's a better I, – I, I think that is a fair critique. I think it is something that the coaches need to stress. But at the same time – We've seen this season Daniel Jones go out there and, and really improve on holding on to the football. So I think it's something that's coachable, something that they're going to work on moving forward. And, you know, Ryan Poles came out yesterday and was talking about how he likes the, the progress that Justin Fields has been making. He, he hears the noise. He listens to the talk shows. And the fact that people have insinuated that they're not trying to help out Justin Fields is laughable because – you know, you're in this weird situation of like, we're developing our quarterback, but we also have to develop a team. And it does no good to have a quarterback if we don't have a team surrounding them. So instead of, you know, being willy nilly about drafting receivers or doing whatever to make the fantasy people or the guys down at Snickers uh, inside the loop happy, like it's also important to go out there and build a quality football team. Uh, let's do one more question. And uh, I hope it's a good one. We have not done a good job of getting to a lot of these questions. Maybe there weren't some. And then Sammy is uh, the funk bringer, of course, is always delightful. Is there any chance at the deadline we could grab a couple of offensive linemen to help out Justin so he can survive the season? You know what? I would say this, Carmen. 
if we're looking to make a trade, everybody talks about like, and I, I'm one of these people, like I would love to have DJ Moore. I'd love to have one of these, you know, a high price receiver. I almost think that if there is a, an opportunity to go out and I'm not saying that he's available, but if you gave me the opportunity to get Quentin Nelson or DJ Moore, I think I would go at the offensive line. Not that either one of those guys are available, but as a, for instance, it feels like if the bears do make a trade, it would be better to get an offensive lineman than it would be to get a wide receiver. I tend to agree with you just because obviously I love offensive linemen, but um, I also think that, well, A, we saw them help fields this season because I was, I was part of the camp after that Thursday night game where I was like, I don't know how Justin gets through the rest of the season with the line playing like this, with him playing like this, he's going to get killed. Like, it's just, I was very concerned. And then what happens this week comes around and they, pull out more design runs so that Justin feels a little bit more comfortable and he can get out of the pocket quicker. They may have him make some quicker decisions, give some, you know, more underneath little short passes, make those available to him more. They made adjustments so that he doesn't have to rely on this line as much. And like, like we talked about before, bringing in some extra blockers, jumbo personnel to get like guys going in the run game, all that kind of stuff. There is stuff that you can do to help out the line without adding to the line. And that being said, I don't know. I think Ryan Poles, and justifiably so, being an offensive lineman, a former offensive lineman himself, I think he ha- takes a lot of pride in his evaluation of offensive linemen. Like he's Braxton Jones, starting left yeah. tackle, fifth round, fifth round tackle at Southern Utah. Like I just feel like Ryan Poles is going to be the one to wait for the draft because he has a lot of faith in his ability to evaluate this position in particular. So there's not really a whole lot of incentive to go and pay for, you know, you trade for a veteran guy at this point. These guys are expensive. And if he thinks that he can build a line himself and then the rest of this season, the coaching staff can kind of make up for any discrepancies that they have. um, I think that that's what they would do more often. And while I think that, yes, I agree, like I said, that they need help. They need to help that line out a lot more, but there are other ways to do that while you're biding your time to this offseason to the draft where Ryan Poles can really shine in taking an offensive lineman. Yeah, it is one of those situations. I, 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 I understand what you're saying too. Um, I'm just talking about under the guise of like, if you're making a high profile deal, but I think ultimately you're correct where this team doesn't really need to go out there and do that. Especially like we're not winning this season. They're not a player away. They're not an off. Oh, no. Did I freeze? Did Adam freeze? Oh, no. That's probably a sign that we should wrap this up, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and sign off for tonight. Thank you guys so much for all of your questions that you submitted. Sorry, we didn't get to all of them. Hopefully, we answered as many as we could in our other analysis. But be sure to tune in next Tuesday and get your questions in however you want. I'm Carmen Vitale. You can find me at Carmen V on Twitter. And that was Adam Rank, who I'm sure you know. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. 
brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.